Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! We are rolling on a Tuesday. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for the Daily Signal, filling in for Big Nige. And Tonus has got a special guest on the WIBC hotline. That's right. When it comes to covering all of the nonsense that's going on around the country, who actually has his pulse outside of the D.C. bubble, you have to talk to Greg Price. He's comms for the State Freedom Caucus Network. He's one of the best journalists out there. And uh, he is joining us now to talk a little bit about the fiasco in the Speaker of the House election. Greg, how's it going? Good. Good to be with you all today. So one round complete, no speaker, 200 votes. Uh, Victoria Sparts from Indiana, one of the 20 that got squirrely and voted for somebody else. Just take me through your overall perspective on what you're seeing with this attempt to get Jim Jordan the speakership. Well, Jim Jordan being the Speaker of the House, as a since he is a founding member of the Freedom Caucus, would be a tremendous blow to the political establishment. And so they're working overtime in order to take him out. And if you look at all of the, the 20 who voted against Jim Jordan, they all fall into a couple different categories. Seven, you know, out of the 20 Jordan knows, seven were members of the Appropriations Committee. That would be Granger, Simpson, Diaz-Balart. Womack, Rutherford, Gonzalez, and Elsie. And these are the people who want to continue to be able to deficit spend into all eternity. And they're worried Jim Jordan might put a stop to that. So they voted no. And then you had your defense hawks, people who want to continue funding the gravy train to Ukraine and fight, you know, every endless war around the globe that they want to. And out of the 20 Jordan knows, four of them were members of the Armed Services Committee. The third category are the people in Biden one districts who claim that, you know, voting for a conservative like Jim Jordan will lead to backlash. It's almost like a lunchroom situation. The jocks sit over here. The stoners sit over here. This group sits over here. And all of them have their own separate kind of deal. And and again, when you want to go to receipts, you go to price. And what did price immediately bring up? He, He pointed out the specific committees of individuals who are pushing back against this. And that's one of the keys that you need to pay attention here because the media is telling you right now, well, it's actually just some principled establishment Republicans taking a stand against MAGA Jordan. No, it's individuals who are terrified that if they elect Jordan, then he's going to put a stop to a lot of the shenanigans that they're doing in the Appropriations Committee or in the Foreign Wars Committee, excuse me, uh, in all of the different gravy trains. Right. I really haven't heard anyone yet point out the specific committee assignments of these individuals. And again, it, it really puts the whole narrative that's being shared that, well, I just really don't like how Jim Jordan's kind of too conservative. Conservative? What's the Republican Party supposed to be if it's not protecting (laughs) conservative interests in this country? Well, this is kind of how things have trickled down, because we talk about that exact same philosophy when it comes to the mayor's race here in Marion County. You know, you've got a lot of these, quote, Republicans who tell you they have an R next to their name. But if you look at their voting records, if you look at for the things they stand for, 
there might as well be a D. So this is the question that I have for everyone out there who's who's voting. Uh, those of you who are listening, if you want to throw it over at me on uh, at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter or over at me at the Tonus, the question that I have for everyone is, are there any Democrats who honestly have gone out in public and said, yeah, I'd consider voting for a Republican if, if they just didn't act like Republicans? Are they out there? Because the political advisors seem to think so. The political advisors for Shreve in Indianapolis, the political advisors for, as, as Greg Price said, these uh, past Biden one districts. This is one of the concerns that apparently they have. Where are these moderates and Democrats that say they won't vote for conservatives, but they'll vote for Republicans? Who are they? Because I have yet to meet one. Uh, So let's fast forward this conversation just a little bit. We're one vote down, but he did get 200 votes. And it seems like there's a little bit more momentum today than there was last night. What are you thinking here? Well, yeah, I mean, back if you recall back in January, McCarthy had 19 no's on the first two ballots, and then he had 20 no's after Byron Donald's defected from ballot three until ballot 11. Right. And so there's certainly like so he's in basically the same position that McCarthy was in, except it's, you know, the complete opposite. It's now not it's not the Freedom Caucus rebelling against the establishment. It's the establishment rebelling against a founding member of the Freedom Caucus. So there is certainly room to, you know, to push back into his opposition. And the thing about his opposition is that these 20 people, they they can't articulate a specific reason why they're opposed to Jim Jordan being the speaker. Like back in the 20 who voted against McCarthy back in January had actual policy goals that they wanted to achieve and actual concessions they wanted him to make. All of these people are voting against Jim Jordan just because he's Jim Jordan out of personal spite. And as I mentioned, a lot of them are on specific committees that have a lot of power in D.C. that a speaker like Jim Jordan would be a threat to. So, Greg, do you buy the Bud Light theory? This is something that uh, Tony and I were talking about earlier in the show. Ever since the Bud Light target situation, some of the conservative folks feel like they've got a little bit more power that they didn't even know that they had. And it feels like since last night, some big time conservative media members, big time conservative donors more than anything else have maybe put the fear of God into some of these folks that were going to vote against Jim Jordan. The fear of the backlash, the Bud Light effect, if you will. Do you buy that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I think if you if you think about what the GOP was like when, you know, Jim Jordan was first elected or maybe even like first ran the Freedom Caucus, the idea that Jim Jordan would ever be Speaker of the House would have like that that would have not been a thought in anyone's mind. But, you know, the America first wing of the party has taken over. And you've seen you've seen a lot of these members like Carlos Jimenez, one of the people who voted no, was complaining like about the the pressure that he was getting and the amount of calls that he was getting to his office because of, you know, allies of Jim Jordan. And, you know, obviously they're, they're now afraid. And if their chief complaint is that, you know, too many people are calling a representative asking him to vote in a certain way, you know, that, you know, there, there is an army behind this movement and there certainly is. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with these 20 Republicans, but you know, they're, there's definitely going to be a lot of backlash in their districts if they don't eventually vote for Jordan, especially, you know, the the eight or so that represent our plus 10 districts. Right. There's a couple of those that voted no on Jordan. 
And and this is one of the things that I that I really want to bring to you because I know you've been tracking this on on X as closely as I have. That uh, you know you t- looked at the backlash that Bacon received when he talked about how principled and wonderful he was and how he was going to do what's best for the country. But a lot of the other because it used to be more than the twenty who said no. You, know, you look at Mike Rogers, you look at Ann Wagner, you look at Buchanan, you look at Rob Whitman, four representatives who basically came out on the morning or the evening of the sixteenth and said, you know, look, I've actually sat down and talked with Jim and he outlined a lot of policy priorities that my constituents cared for. These were people that said no, that came around. Again, I'm already seeing, he's not even speaker yet, I'm already seeing more effective leadership from Jim Jordan communicating policy priorities. Do you think that he's going to be able to do that same kind of leadership style that he's communicated already with enough of the 20 to move this before, let's say, the 8th or ninth round of voting? Well, uh, you know, I I think if he can't get it in in at least, like maybe five rounds, then a lot of you know the, the Scalise allies that are backing him. I think they may they've indicated that they may back out. But I think the the thing that separates Jim Jordan from Kevin McCarthy is just that. Like Kevin McCarthy had to cut deals with the twenty that were opposing him back in January in order to become speaker in the first place. Right. It had nothing to do with you know a certain set of policy goals. He mad he was forced to make concessions to these people for them to vote for him and then they they vacated the chair when in their eyes he was not keeping those promises jim jordan on the other hand is is winning these people over specifically based on policy goals and so that is a like that is a that is a recipe i think for a better functioning caucus oh it's huge than we've seen than we've seen under kevin mccarthy and if he can do that with the with all of these remaining holdouts i think we're going to you know i think We'll, I, I mean, I, I'm, the, my predictions are sometimes good and sometimes bad, but I think having a caucus with an elected speaker based on policy goals rather than threats if they don't keep certain ends of the bargain is a better is a is a better recipe for a functioning House of Representatives. One hundred percent. I couldn't have said that better myself. And as far as predictions go, a lot of time this is like being the weatherman. You know, sometimes things come out of left field and screw up the prediction. And I'm not holding you to that. But I do want to point out that again, when it came to McCarthy, and you outlined this perfectly, McCarthy made concessions to get his votes. Whereas the communications from the offices again of Mike Rogers, Ann Wagner, Buchanan, Whitman, they they say that basically once Jim Jordan outlined this is where he wants to go, I was on board that doesn't sound like concessions this sounds like jim jordan communicated here's where we need to be and people got in line that's a different kind of leadership yeah yeah 100 percent right and, and as i said like th- that's what doomed mccarthy from the start is absolutely that he made all of these he made all of these promises that he n- never had any intention of keeping and never even had the ability to keep because you know you can't have there's not going to be a single subject spending bill with Democrats in charge of the other two houses. And then on top of that, he gave Matt Gates or anybody else the ability to vacate the chair just on one vote. And so it, it was a rest, it was, it was doomed from the start. And it, I think it just underscores the politician that McCarthy is where the guy never really had a certain set of principles or policies he was fighting for. He just wanted to do whatever it took to give himself the gavel but in doing so, he kind of turned into a Greek tragic hero where it brought about his own demise. And, and so obviously, like you're seeing you've seen a lot of chaos over these last couple of weeks uh, in the GOP caucus, just a lot of anger and a lot of spite over what happened with McCarthy. But, you know, I think like, like you said, winning these people over in terms of a specific set of policy goals 
will lead to the Republican majority working better under a potential Speaker Jordan than it did McCarthy. He is with the State Freedom Caucus Network and honestly, one of the best follows on social media, Greg Price. Greg, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here today. And I know you're a Philly guy. You're a Philly dude. Go Eagles. I'm a Cubs fan here in a state with no Major League Baseball. But damn it, Kyle Schwarber went to IU. He used to play for the Cubs, as did Castellano. Man, I'm rooting for you guys to win this whole thing. Appreciate that. Let's go fightings, baby. There you go. <laughs> Greg Price, thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.